Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And welcome to the Chronicles of Nannia, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Reddick, and this week we are going to be talking Montessori. And to do that, I have brought on Tiffany Otwell. Hello, Tiffany. Hello. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to have you here. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited to talk about this with you. Um, before we talk specifically about the wonderful world of Montessori. Can I hear a little bit about your background? Sure. I've been around Montessori my entire life. My mom put me in a Montessori school when I was just under three years of age. I attended that school through kindergarten, and then they had an attached grade school that was part Montessori, part traditional, traditional mm-hmm. where they blended the philosophies and I did that through sixth grade when I sometime in there my mom was so impressed with Montessori she went and got her Montessori credentials and became a Montessori teacher and then throughout the rest of my academic career I always lovingly looked back on my time at Montessori school and didn't understand why the rest of academia wasn't that way Mm -hmm. (laughs) so Once I graduated and had gotten my undergrad in television and film and did work in LA and all that, I decided I wanted to settle down and go back to teaching and really explore that. So I went back to the same school where I went to school as a little child and the same teacher that was my Montessori teacher when I was in an early childhood classroom, um, they had started a training center. And she was my teacher again. And I went through a program to become a Montessori credential teacher. Wow, that's awesome. Um, I also uh, attended a Montessori school. So I just went for middle school, which is kind of an odd time. That's Um, wonderful. That's very interesting time to do Montessori, isn't it? Did you do a lot of open-ended large projects where you combined all the different philosophies together um, as far as like study of dinosaurs where you added in measurements and history and... Yes. uh, Yeah, in fact, in fact, one semester um, or six-week period, we 
decided as a class that we wanted, or as a middle school, so sixth through eighth grade, that we wanted to build a volleyball court. <laughs> and so Ooh. that was kind of our entire, um, that was the, the basis, the foundation for our study. So for science, we looked at, you know, how deep, how much sand we would need, what, where would be the best place to put it on the property. We tested dirt, um, all that good stuff. For math, obviously, measurements and how many bags of sand to buy and how tall it needed to be. And for history, we researched volleyball. <laughs> Um, and the history of that, uh, I think we also did like a little bit of local history just to kind of mix that in too. But, um, and then, uh, my group, cause we all kind of had specialized tasks was the, we, we were the historians of the project. So we filmed and, um, like kept records of all of the, the things that we were doing. Um, and then we wrote a big paper about it all <laughs> so that's wonderful yeah it was really neat and obviously something that you carry with you that made a big impression right it really did it really did and the other thing that I will say about going to um, middle school for Montessori is that the way that my school worked is we worked our way up to getting six weeks worth of work at a time. So we would have packets that had different choices of projects and things like that. And it was all this point system. Um, and you had to have a certain number of points in every subject. And so some projects would count towards multiple subjects, would be like three points towards science and four points towards math. Um, and so you could figure out exactly how you wanted to do it all, but in doing that and getting six weeks worth of work and laying out a game plan for myself and then really being held accountable <laughs> because if you hadn't done anything all semester, uh, you didn't get to go on any of the fun days because at the end we had like a volunteer day where we would go out in the community and volunteer. And then the next day we had a um, just kind of fun like laser tag or, or something like that group activity for anyone that was done with their work. And, uh, and that really worked well for me. And I still, I, I don't procrastinate as much as my other friends because <laughs> of that. Um, I still like, procrastinate sometimes on things that I don't want to do taxes we're recording on the day taxes are due and that, that I definitely did leave they're done now but I definitely did them you know January 31st when I had all the stuff but but I in life in general I am much less likely to procrastinate I find than my other friends and I do think that has a lot to do with my time in Montessori yeah, when you're just when you're self-monitoring and self-constructing, it it means so much more than just someone telling you what to do every step of the way. Mm -hmm. I, it's something that I'm very passionate about with my own children as well. I yeah. want them to make choices and make their decisions because it's what they should do or it's the right thing to do, not because I'm telling them they have to or they are going to be in trouble or they won't get something if they don't. Um, right, right. With yeah, that comes a lot of um, tempering of your own self though um <laughs> because out in the world then my children will say well this is my choice or 
they don't have the same limits. We have a we have a shelf and a cabinet where it just has the things that they can go and get. So they don't have to ask for a snack. They don't. It's all there, and it's all appropriate things that they can have, so they can self-instruct that. That might mean that they're not hungry at dinner time. I know that they ate good food. That right. doesn't bother me. But there are people in the world where that is off-putting to them because I'm not the main authority in those parts of their life. Right. They still listen to me. They still respect me. I just, I don't think it shouldn't be about power and about because I said so. It should be about them growing to make appropriate choices that can assist them in adulthood and life. Right. And yeah, if they, if you ended up, you know, making one of their favorite dinners and they had snacked, the natural consequences of that would be that they might not be very hungry for that, you know, favorite dinner and, and realize that they maybe missed out on that. Um, I love (laughs) natural consequences. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Then just authoritarian, uh, random abstract things of an hour because I said so (laughs) yes exactly yes I completely agree that's very much my nanny philosophy too but um it is it can be hard uh if if the parents that I'm nannying for you know I certainly adapt my nanny style and philosophy to oh I don't adapt my philosophy I adapt my style to work within the family that I'm nannying for and all of them are wonderful parents. Um, I really have never nannied for a family that I, I didn't fully respect their parenting style. And so, but sometimes I do, you know, eating dinner together is, is important to them. So we do have to (laughs) do the snacks a little differently or things like that. Um, but I do in my nanny day really try to, encourage uh, autonomy and and choice and self-advocacy and all that good stuff to avoid those power struggles because it does it just ends up and because I said so it's just going to be a power struggle right so I completely agree well let's talk about specifically Montessori so for anyone listening who doesn't know what Montessori is Uh, Can you kind of give us an overview of what Montessori is? Um, Sure. Montessori is a lot of things to a lot of people. Right. Um, (laughs) But when you boil it down, it is a philosophy of education that was inspired and laid out by Maria Montessori in the early 1900s. She was an amazing woman. She was a one of the first Italian doctors, female Italian doctors. Mm. Um, she was a scientist. She was an advocate for children. And putting all of those things together, she approached working with children from a very scientific standpoint of observing, implementing, and then gathering the data to decide what she thought was best fulfilling their needs. Mm. Um, the measurements that she used were, was it, were the children happy? Did the children um, seem whole? Were they calm? Were they engrossed? Were there, was their concentration deep? Um, Through her studies and through the education she laid out, we now have found that there are many wonderful academic side effects of that. 
but that was never her intent. Her intent was to help children find their true self Mm. and take away the different obstacles that kept them from having that intense focus, that intense concentration, and that ability to listen to their own inner driving. Um, She calls it the spiritual embryo. And she felt that everyone had, was born within them to self-construct and to follow their own path. And we just need to get out of our way, get out of their way and let that happen through the appropriate developmental environment. That's beautiful. Um, I, you know, I even attended a a Montessori school and I, I didn't know all that. So that's, that's very helpful. And I also, as you were talking, I was thinking about how, important listening to ourselves is and I think it's especially important for children um, and as they become adults in this age of of advertising and really you can't escape advertising (laughs) in our world right now Um, so but seeing an advertisement and asking yourself you know what like do I need that and really the definition of need um Mm -hmm. and checking in with yourself before letting it override (laughs) your uh critical thinking I think is is very important and I don't think that um all of our education is set up to do that um to help us override that initial like oh I want it I want that now (laughs) Sure. That's something, yeah, our society, (laughs) we've kind of become an instant gratification society. Yeah. So having to combat that, obviously that wasn't something that was as big of a deal back then. I think that's why um, Montessori has evolved in different ways. Um, There are, there are people that think it is a child-led philosophy and that's true. It is. And follow the child was a very big mantra of hers. Mm -hmm. But that has to come within limits. If you purely just follow the child's um, wants and each whim, they're not, they're not stopping to find that inner self. They're becoming victims of the advertising or of the study that we're in where it's want, 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 need, 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 which really isn't me. Right. Um, <laughs> so it is, it's tempering that with the freedom that's been limits and teaching them the different things that are expected at different times. Um, yeah, that's beautiful. So, so what ages do best with Montessori education? Well, um, I think that's a tricky question. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> The, the absorbent mind stage, the unconscious portion of it was zero to three. And that's where she laid out, this is the time where children are just absorbing everything around them. Their mind is like a sponge. They are passively taking in everything around them. That's why it's so important when you're dealing with infants and toddlers to have things simplistic and slow and giving them those words when we work with the toddler classroom you don't need to explain all the whys to them we use Mm -hmm. very simple speech with them we use gentle hands Mm -hmm. we are kind to our friends we don't need to go into a whole diatribe of of when you do this it hits them that hurts and and 
that rapid fire speech. Just like when I speak really fast, adults can't understand it. The child certainly can't absorb all of that. Um, so that's a very important age for the Montessori child. Yes. When you get to the three to six early childhood age, they are becoming conscious um, absorption at that point. Um, the absorbent mind is still at play. They're still in a sensitive period for language and the environment still plays a huge part, but they are becoming better at constructing it. That's where most of her focus was. But again, the tools, just like you said with your middle school, the tools that you lay out and that philosophy is something that can work for everyone. My husband makes fun of me all the time because I will be talking and I'll give him a yes, yes choice or I'll do something and he'll say, you're Montessori me. <laughs> so yes. Most commonly we see early childhood and now we're starting to see more of infants and toddlers as we have a larger workforce in, in play. Right. But um, what's best, it's hard to say, it's whatever is with that person or if possible, living with those kind of things for your whole life is a wonderful way to be. Yes, I completely agree. Um, but it is encouraging, I think, uh, that the ages that nannies mostly work with are that um, zero to six. So I, I think that this is a, a very good thing to learn about as a nanny. Um, not necessarily that you would create a Montessori classroom in a home, but that you could use some of these techniques and philosophies in your nanny day. You definitely can. And, and with nannies, you are already getting that experience of you're being with them for year after year after year. Nannies tend to be more predisposed to, to take to Montessori than random childcare workers. When I first opened my school, I did um, most of my hiring through care.com and different nanny sites. Oh, wow. They really were just better equipped for understanding working with a child for many years. One of my really good friends is a Montessori teacher, and she left the classroom to be a Montessori nanny. Oh, wow. And she loves it because there are things that when you scale up, you can't do as well. Um, when you're nannying, you can plan and have the time, and if that child's able to put their own shoes on, but it takes a half an hour, you can put that in your day. Mm -hmm. That's much tougher to do within the confines of a childcare setting when we're dealing with ratios and other state regulations and things like that. Very true. See, a Montessori or nanny is a wonderful time to put practice into Montessori philosophies. Yes. So when you opened your school, what, what does a school have to do to call itself a Montessori school? Sadly, nothing. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's really sad. Anyone can call themselves a Montessori school, which is really important for parents to know mm -hmm. because they need to have enough knowledge to find an actual authentic Montessori school that fits with their needs. Right. Um, there are some governing bodies. Um, so the two main philosophies of Montessori that most people recognize as the main two are AMI, which is Association of Montessori International. That is still run by um, Mario Montessori, Maria's son. Sorry. And, oh, it's okay. <laughs> and then AMS is the American Montessori Society. Um, those are the two big ones. Okay. There are other ones that now filter in 
usually if a school is prescribing to one of those philosophies, they are going to put that out there loud and proud. If you don't see that when you're looking at a school, you would want to go the next step and ask about their teacher training programs and where they send them. Um, it's going to sound like a lot of just gobbledygook because usually they're just acronyms like ADMTEI and NAMC. And um, what you want to find out is, is that um, a training program MACD accredited, which is the Montessori um, Association for Credentials of Teacher Education? Okay. Um, that's really, that's really important. Um, if, if you're looking at some place that is an AMI or AMS school and they are an AMS full member school like mine is or an AMI recognized school, that means that all of their lead teachers have gone to these approved training centers somewhere in the country where they have spent a year to two years really delving into Montessori, the philosophy, creating their manuals, and have had hands-on experience with different mentors that then come out and check them in their environment, go back and forth. It's a very extensive process. Wow. Um, but again, people have to know that to know that that's important. Um, right. Otherwise, they just see Montessori and yeah, and the, the name's not trademarked. Anyone can call themselves that. Okay. That's very good to know. Uh, I, yes, I think that that's very important to know uh, for any parents that are listening or nannies that the, the parents are, are looking at schools. I think taking this knowledge to them would be uh, a great thing to do if they're looking at a school um, that's that's saying it's Montessori, tell them some of the questions to ask. That's great. Um, so how can nannies and parents uh, use some of these Montessori techniques in their own home? We talked a little bit about, you know, allowing 30 minutes to, to put on shoes if, if that's where that child is. But what are some other ways? Um, Pub, a big part of the Montessori philosophy is control of error. Mm -hmm. So when looking at a task, if a child wants to help, um, let's say it's feeding themselves. That's the practical life is a large part of the early childhood classroom and the toddler classrooms. Um, a child can definitely make their own bowl of cereal. Right. But you can't give them the box and the jug of milk. You're going to want to control <laughs> the error by giving them a small container that they can pour into the bowl of the cereal, a small container of milk that they can pour into the bowl. And so you're setting up Montessori works for them at home, where if they do spill, it's manageable for them to clean up. Right. Um, when you're talking to the children, we're trying to remove ourselves. So instead of saying things like, I need you to, you would just put the onus on them. You need to go get ready to leave. Mm -hmm. You need to go to the bathroom before we go outside. Um, offering them yes, yes choices. If they don't want to put their shoes in, we're going outside. You have to have something on your feet. Would you like to wear your shoes or your boots? Mm -hmm. So they're still having control, but it's, again, things that everyone wins. Right. Um, when I'm um, tell them what to do instead of what not to do. So mm -hmm. instead of saying, don't scream in the house. We say, we use low voices in the house. We can scream outside. 
So you're also telling them the appropriate place they can do those things. Mm-hmm. Um, another technique you can do is, in order to think about, is when you're asking them something, try not to make it open-ended because if the answer is no, Montessorians respect that no. Right. <laughs> um, and that might not be what you wanted to do. So what we do at our school is take that, make a mental note, I should have asked that differently, and give it a few minutes. Mm-hmm. I've given you a few minutes. Now it's time for us to do this and carry on. Um, also, we use the Chick Norman philosophy of praise, which is, I believe, catching on more and more in Montessori circles. Whereas when I grew up, and I'm guessing maybe you as well, um, mm-hmm. praise was a big deal. So right. I got a lot of good jobs and excellent and wows and terrifics. Um, nowadays, they found that those evaluative types of praise tend to make someone want more of that and it's mm-hmm. all external so we eliminate that and we work on descriptive and appreciative phrases so if someone says do you like my drawing i see you filled the whole paper you worked really hard on that i see it made you happy um, so you are just reflecting back to them to try to give them their own sense of pride and acknowledge and know what that feels like um, also and then with the appreciative you held the door thank you that is so kind Friends help each other. Again, so you're telling them social mores, things that are wonderful for them to do, and then letting them reflect on it themselves instead of making you the ultimate evaluator that they need to please. Yes, love that. Um, yeah, and this is, as, as I'm hearing you talk about this, um, if, if you're listening and you want another uh, episode that also talks about kind of the same philosophies just in a different way. Um, Power tools for power struggles uh, or preventing power struggles with kids. I'm not quite sure what I titled the episode, but uh, (laughs) it's, it's way back. I think it's like number 56. Um, that is a good episode that has a lot of these ideas as well, but I love all of those. And I, I certainly have seen the benefit in my nannying by using them instead of um, saying just a good job because <laughs> when you hear good job, it doesn't tell you anything about about how or what you did that was good. And then also that layer of then I as the nanny am, am holding – all of the power and and I don't want that. <laughs> right. So yes, that idea of of not being the ultimate evaluator I think is is very important um for any uh caregiver for for children. Um I also find that because I I've nannied for children that have attended a Montessori school before and I Remember at their birthday party one year, um, they about half of the kids there were Montessori kids from their school, and then half of the kids were kids that they knew from other areas of their life. And so at this birthday party, when it was time for cake, uh, it was fascinating because <clears throat> all of the Montessori kids got their own plates and their own utensils and sat down and ate 
you know, their slice of cake. And then when it was done, they all cleaned up after themselves and (laughs) pushed their chair in. And it was just in such stark contrast to these other kids that haven't experienced that. I'm sorry. Oh, no worries. I have a four-year-old who just came into the room. Almost four. Oh, hi. Oh, sweet. Papa will play with you, okay? Yeah. I'm sorry about that. No worries. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) My mom had knee surgery and we're at my parents' house for Easter and um, it makes it a little tricky because I'm trying to do more for her, but. Right. But yes, kids also want and need you. (laughs) Yeah. And they're a little out of their element. So that's that's fun. But yeah, it was, it was so interesting to see the difference between, between kids that had been in a Montessori environment and knew and wanted to, to do these things for themselves versus kids that I, I don't think had been given that option or set up for success in the same way. Um, to do those type of chores because they all, you know, just left their plates and <laughs> their chairs were all <laughs> willy nilly, and <laughs> they went back to the jump house, you know. And and so it was it was interesting to watch that at that birthday party, right? And and as the children grow, sometimes it's on us as caregivers to be able to see those signs that mm-hmm. oh, they're ready for this. Like, right. And then allow yourself to step back and let them or start setting them up for that success. Yes. It's very easy as a parent or a caregiver to just get in the role of, yes, I always tie their shoes. Yes, I always do this. But they're growing up too and we don't have to. And when we see they're ready and they're asking to help or they're showing us, we need to let them. Yes. And I also find as a nanny, um, sometimes, you know, it's – it's quote unquote easier <laughs> to just make their lunch myself. But as a nanny, one of the beautiful things about our job is that we have the time. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we can rearrange and not go to the park at one fifteen when we had planned. We can go at one thirty. That's okay. Uh, to take that extra 15 minutes to let them... <laughs> help build their own sandwich or um, do whatever. And, and we have, uh, there's an episode about cooking with kids that I think is, is good to listen to, but it's just allowing them to help you with those chores is I think really crucial. Um, I started some of my nanny kids folding their own laundry um, Mm -hmm. when he was, two and a half. And, you know, I started him with, can you find the matching pairs of socks? (laughs) But he loved it. And so just thinking of ways that you can encourage, I, one of my nanny kids right now, she's only 15 months old and she loves helping her mom get things out of the washing machine and put them into the dryer, Uh you know? And like, and I see her light up with joy when her mom says, do you want to help with this? And she, you know, toddles in there and, and helps. And it's, it's amazing. She could probably start sorting darks and lights too. If they're a family mm-hmm. that sorts clothes. 
I think she could. I think she definitely could. Um, and with feeding with young toddlers is always one that we struggle with with new mm-hmm. employees because them they're always so worried that a young child at that age is going to starve if we let them do it themselves. <laughs> and they won't. <laughs> they won't. They won't at all. And they're going to miss their mouth and they're going to get messy. And that's okay. Part of what they need to do is they're using their senses to explore the world. Right. If we rob them of that, again, they're not able to self-construct and learn that. Yes. Um, my, I gave my children spoons as soon as they could pretty much sit up and they would just yeah, make a mess and then we'd wipe it off. Mm-hmm. If people are worried about stains, you can take the toddler shirt off and let them eat with on a shirt. They'll right. like it more. They can feel it on their skin and then they get an extra sensory experience. So they think it's great fun and it just saves you laundry. Yes. And then, and then bath time, that's fun too. If, yeah. if they get, you know, wild and crazy enough to, to need to just go hop in the bath, that's also fun. It is there. Yeah. Again, that's, we have our schools very, very, um, our playground is in the woods. Mm. So that's just dirt and they get messy and they get dirty and they're just covered in little um, dust everywhere most <laughs> days. And it, it often turns off parents that come to tour because, oh, how they're going to be so messy. But I really appreciate it. They need that time. Nature and being outside is so important to children. So important. And I don't have, by the time I get home at night, it's six at night. And I don't want to, I have to make dinner and do these things. I don't have the time to go outside with the girls. And we have a, our house is kind of close to a street. So if we didn't have that time at school, they wouldn't get it. I think it's important for everyone, even if they don't like being outside, to give them that time when they're nannying or find a school that does it if you can't. Just mm-hmm. Anything to make sure they get outside and experience nature and really get to explore it and touch it. and get their hands dirty. Yes, I completely agree. Um, We've been trying to do a lot more time outside, although Chicago has not been playing very nice. It snowed here (laughs) yesterday, so there's that. Although going out in the snow is also very fun. Um, I think it's important to teach that uh, we can go out in any weather. We just need to prepare differently. Right. Although the polar vortex is slightly different, and we talked about that too when I was with older kids. I was like, "Mm, I know that I say we can go out in any weather, but it's negative 50 degrees, so we're not going to go out in this. (laughs) Um, But yes, I I completely agree. And and there's a lot of science behind um, kids that spend time outside get sick less frequently, and um, like literally dirt on your feet helps your body like regulate itself better. Um, and so I, I completely agree that allowing for that time outside is so important. Um, yeah, Montessori was a big advocate of nature and nature studies as well. Mm, yes. Love it. Um, and then back to, to mealtimes uh, quickly. So one thing that I think is um, – at least, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, is allowing children to work with breakable things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I I know for one of my kiddos, uh, they have started letting her drink out of a shot glass because she's a baby. <laughs> um, and so, but it's a, you know, it's a glass shot glass and they talk to her about 
how it's breakable and you can't throw it on the floor and, and we're all careful um, with it and modeling that to her. Um, but we do let her drink out of this shot glass and she loves it. She like lights up when we bring it out because she feels, uh, at least my interpretation of her facial expressions is that she feels very proud when mm-hmm. she handles, you know, this heavy glass all by herself and, and gets water from it. <laughs> you know, she doesn't always, but, uh, but a lot of the times she's able to, to drink out of it. And it's, it's really something to watch. It is. It's wonderful. The same with silverware. They don't need those plastic things that they, there are smaller size, appropriate size metal that you can get right. that they're emulating. They're using what they see and it's real. It's heavy. It, is special like you were saying it it can break if we want children to be aware and take um what's the word take um care of things they have to know that it can also break right it's the cause and effect and um, my daughter has she likes to drink coffee which is really um hot chocolate with some creamer in it Mm -hmm. but she got this cheetah mug and she loves it so very much and she carries it all around and we've talked about a lot that if she doesn't have two hands it can slip it slipped it cracked Mm -hmm. and it was a very sad day for her but Mm -hmm. now whenever she handles something she always goes back to that it was a natural consequence she learned it actually only had a little mark on it so she can still use it but she learned the lesson right and I don't think that would be the same kind of care if it was plastic and there were no consequences of anything happened to it. I completely agree. Um, and, and yeah, and I think looking for those opportunities, um, and I know as, as nannies, <laughs> our, our day can feel very full, but I really encourage you <laughs> to look for opportunities to, incorporate the child that you're watching or children um, doing more in their, in their world um, instead of just doing it for them. Um, And it takes a lot of mind energy (laughs) to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and it could take, you know, a big chunk out of your day cleaning up after a lot of these things that we've talked about. But I think that the rewards from that are, are well worth um, the the time, the risk of, of the time or um, energy it would take from you. And, and sometimes you just need to stick with it as far as like eating goes and different ways you can incorporate that. Help, having them help with food, food prep, always gets children more interested in than eating it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also the choices that you offer. Um, a, a lot of our children in the world get a lot of sugar, a lot of processed things. So if during your nannying time, that's not an option and their choices are, here are your three choices. There are these fruits, there are these vegetables, that's what you can eat. They might not want it at mealtime, but if it's still available to them another hour later when they're really hungry, they're more up to try it as well. It's kind of sticking with it and not fearing that they're going to starve. They will come around. If you expect that that's what they're going to eat when you're around them, ultimately they will. It just might take some time and several offerings. Yes. Yes. And yeah, I think that's a very important reminder to to not just back down <laughs> immediately um, if a kid 
doesn't take a snack. That's okay. That's it's their body. They're they're in right. charge of of what goes into it. Um, that good old division of responsibility uh, is super important. So, um, yes, I love that. Um, do you have any other uh, advice on? how nannies and, and parents can use Montessori techniques with chores and, and helping out around the house, kind of building that community? Um, well, I think allowing children to do chores and participate as young as they are able is a wonderful thing. Chore wheels, chore charts, even implementing some kind of a system like you said you had with middle school where mm-hmm. these, these are worth X amount of points and once we get to these points, it doesn't have to be a reward such as, um, you know, food or right. toys or treats. It could just be, we'll get to play an extra family game together one night or right. um, something else that is value of time, especially since time is such a commodity in our world today. Mm-hmm. Um, and showing them that when they help and contribute to the household, you'll have more time to spend with them. I think is a very powerful um, message. I do too. We try to work on in our house. Um, And then I know at our school, what we do is we have a chore chart and the children rotate. So Mm -hmm. um, in a smaller family, you might have three things that go back and forth, Mm -hmm. but it really just depends on how people want to set it up. But yeah, definitely including them, letting them help you. Also remembering that when children are starting with these things, it can feel really large and overwhelming. So going back to that control of error, it doesn't have to be, they need to do it all themselves. If you have a bunch of towels you need to fold or carry up, they could start with just the washcloths mm-hmm. while you're doing the larger ones. They can just carry up this pile. And then the, just like anything else, the more they do it, the stronger their muscle at that ability will get and they can do more of it. Yes. I also think um, having the the tools needed be more their size. So getting a broom that is smaller, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. even if that broom maybe, you know, doesn't sweep as well as a big broom would, but having, offering them their size tools to do some of the chores I think is is very helpful in in them oh, enjoying it. Definitely. And you can also get the handheld um broom and dustpan. Mm-hmm. Dustpans usually aren't their size when you're doing even if they have a broom that they can stand up and do that's their size. Smaller dustpans are helpful. Mm-hmm. Um depending on Obviously, with the dishwasher, they, if you have a dishwasher, they can load the bottom half, maybe not right. the top. They can't reach that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we have we have a table set up at our house that's a child table where they mm-hmm. can take and do things if they're doing food prep or anything, so it's not high. Right. Um, oh, choppers. The Montessori Services is a wonderful um, resource to get child-sized tools. Great. Or they also have gardening tools. They have little rakes that are their size. They can help with outdoor chores. And they have these wonderful wavy choppers, which you can also get on Amazon. But um, they are they're tools where the children can hold up on top of it. And then they can chop even hard vegetables like carrots and cucumbers and different things like that. 
They make child size peelers. They have child size um, dish scrubbers. So they can mm -hmm. start hand washing dishes with you. Yeah, Montessori was really big on part of the problem of their day was you can't expect a child to do things with adult size things. You need to right. have a size that works for them. Yes. And so I think uh, as nannies, we can, you know, say to the parents, I, I think that this is important. Um, and a lot of parents really want that help um, with, with finding resources. Um, or you can give them some child size tools as birthday gifts or holiday gifts um, as your contribution. Um, I always look for <laughs> things that, that I would like uh, in the house to be gifts because I, I think that that's a very good way because if we can use them together, then, then the gift is even extra special because um, we get to play with them together. So, yeah. And so if, if parents or nannies are listening to this and they want to learn more, um, where can they go to, to find out more about Montessori or other ways that they can incorporate this or look for Montessori schools or, or any of that good stuff? Oh, there are so many resources out there. <laughs> AMS.org and AMI.org have um, articles and information. They also show different schools that are affiliated with them around the country. Um, MACTE.org, M-A-C-T-E.org also shows any um, training centers that people are looking mm -hmm. for more information that are um, approved by them. There are websites like Montessori Services that specialize in a lot of those child size things and you can get anything you can get woodworking um, we have children that do hammering nails and sawing and drilling you can get those things child size as well that's great um, uh if you wanted to do more work with um, classifications montessori print shop has an amazing wealth of both free and paid materials even the paid ones are a couple of dollars because they're all downloadable you can print and laminate um, mm -hmm. Montessori for Everyone also has a wealth of free and paid for Montessori materials. And then there are tons of articles and blogs as well. Great. Really, even, even training centers that don't necessarily have MACD accreditation still have interesting articles and podcasts. It just wouldn't be what I would use for judging um, the teacher's skills. But they all have good information. There's, it's been a hundred years. There's a lot of things out there. Um, yeah. just keep exploring for it there's also i think it's montessori materials that i sure if you type in free montessori lessons there are a lot of people that have put different um lessons on there that talk about the areas of practical life sensorial math and language and give you ideas how to work in those facets as well that's lovely yeah, and I think the the most important thing is if this is kind of more of a new concept to you, is just keep that curiosity alive and, and yeah, going and exploring and, and seeing what works for your nanny family or your family and and sticking with it long enough to see if it works. But then if it if it doesn't work for your family, you know, you can move on to a different strategy and try that for a while. So I think that curiosity is really um, a good place to work from. 
Definitely. And one of the main um, tenets of Montessori as well is just the idea of stirring up excitement and then stepping away. Mm -hmm. So just trying to even start with asking a child questions or what do you think about this or how does this work and showing them ways to delve further into whatever they're interested in. You're outside and they're walking and they are attracted to a twig. <laughs> um, asking them anything about it. Like if you see a little bud on it, oh, did you notice this? And then seeing what else they notice or talk to you about. Yeah. Oh, that's rough. That's smooth. Giving them the context that they can then take that and then touch something else and say this is rough or this is smooth and those are some of the basic principles as well just teaching them categorization and um, classification of the world around them yes yes and and they can you know do it with their toys too inside of <laughs> you know if they want to sort all of their stuffed animals into different categories or or things like yeah. that yeah, really and, and they like children, especially the younger ones, twos, threes, when they have a strong sense of order, you can just, if you can watch, they might line all of their toy cars up just in one straight row mm -hmm. and then move them a few feet and then do it again. <laughs> um, one of the big things is if you see a child doing that, don't interrupt them. Let right. them go. That is them using, that is their deep concentration. And as long as when everything's said and done, if they start to walk away and their concentration is broke, then, oh, I see we left our cars out. Mm -hmm. Let's go clean that up. Um, but trying to catch them in the moment when they're not in focus. Right. Yes. Well, I think that that is, is it for right now. Although I know that, you know, there are books and books and books. We could fill a library. Um, or talk for 24 hours straight about this and probably never run out of things. But I feel very good about that overview. Is there anything else that you wanted to add or touch on? I would just say that if you're using these techniques and you're helping children to come up with their own words and their own minds, be prepared for that to come back at you. <laughs> One of the things our parents love and is much to their chagrin, are uh, when they're speaking to their children and the child says, but that's my choice. Mm -hmm. Or um, if uh, my husband will go to hug my girls and she was concentrating and he broke it, she'll say, daddy, this is my body. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they're going to set those limits on you too. <laughs> and it's all going to come back around, which is wonderful, but it's also um, hard to sometimes deal with that like yes i understand that's your choice but right now <laughs> the car so right. you can buckle your seatbelt or i will buckle your seatbelt yes Hopefully, most of the time we're not quite down to that level it's do you want to buckle the top or the bottom because you don't want it to, to be you do it or i'll do it for you but sometimes you have to and that's the i think that's important don't beat yourself up there's always going to be something that we could do better or we could do differently and all we can do is take a deep breath and analyze it and try again another time yes that's very good advice because yeah we all we all make mistakes <laughs> um and and things are are going to go differently than you plan them no matter how well you plan them right so, yeah that that in the moment improvisation <laughs> Is crucial and it doesn't always go uh, the way that you think it's going to go so sometimes that is a really beautiful thing mm -hmm. you do amazing 
studies on, oh, you want to know how, how long this dinosaur was? My daughter's really into dinosaurs right now. Uh -huh. Let's take a tape measure and we will go and measure it out. Or sometimes it might be, yes, I know that the T-Rex doesn't eat vegetables and they only eat meat. <laughs> <laughs> Humans are omnivores and they're trying to work some of those things out. Yeah, It's always fun. <laughs> it's a humor. I love it. I love it. Um, well, wonderful. Well, um, we end each episode with a cute or funny story. And I have one that I've been dying to share. Um, so I went away from my nanny babies for um, a week. And I was at the International Nanny Association Conference in New Orleans, and it was amazing. Um, if you're curious about the International Nanny Association, there's a couple different episodes that talk about it. Um, I highly recommend it. But I also had tacked on um, vacation, so I was away for a full week. And so when I got back, uh, my youngest, nanny baby she had just turned a year old uh she leapt into my arms <laughs> uh she like reached for me and wanted to to be close to me and then she put her face up like so we were cheek to cheek basically and just smelled me <laughs> and then had the biggest smile on her face and i cried it was it was so beautiful it was like she missed my smell <laughs> and um and it it just was a really wonderful reminder of how important uh our jobs are <laughs> that that we are very important to these kids and and they're important to us too so i just i wanted to share that cuz it it really after being around amazing nannies that inspired me and I got so many new techniques from the INA and then to come home and just have a kid really appreciate being around me. <laughs> That's it was, beautiful. It was really affirming. So uh, I wanted to share that because it, it really has, has stuck with me and I think that that will be a thing that I remember forever, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> not every day you get smelled i this. know <laughs> i was like i'm glad i showered um, so that i don't smell like plain um but yeah it was it was so sweet and the big smile on her face afterwards and then she wanted to go hang out with her buddy because i'm in a nanny share so they also didn't really see each other very much um mm. and so then the two little buddies wanted to hang out too and it was just it was really lovely to see that. So, one of the um, really things that I always try to keep in mind, uh, Maya Angelou had a long quote, but at the end of it, the it ends with, "They may not remember what you taught them, mm -hmm. but they will remember how you made them feel." Yes, and I always try to keep that in mind because uh, children are so wonderful, and I just want them all to feel love and happiness as much Me as possible. Too. Me too. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Tiffany. This was wonderful. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Obviously, I love talking about Montessori. Yes, and I love learning. So this was a, a match made in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> um, and thank you all for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. 
Chronicles of Narnia is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Narnia and on Twitter at Narnia Podcast. To contact us, email chroniclesofnarnia at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.